you're, you're gonna lie. I know that you clicked on already because, the, yeah. Mm hmm. Salutations and shit, guys. Welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit. This is your ever lovely and ever, let's see, what are the adjectives? Um, effervescent keeps coming to mind, but I don't know if I want to use that. That's what came to mind for me. Um, lovely and graceful, if you will. Uh, host D. Carrie. And we're back for another episode of your new favorite travel podcast. Uh, where we discuss more of the what was learned from travel, what was experienced, as opposed to the how I did it. And I know you heard another voice, so guest, be my guest. Hi, my name is Marsha B of Introvert in the City, and I am happy to be here. Yay! A round of applause, round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank you for Thank having me. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you for a lot of reasons, but Aww. today I appreciate you for being here. Of course. So, um, how did we meet, Marsha? I met uh. you through Maria, right? Or did Mar I know you before Maria, I knew Maria? Crystal. I feel like I knew you through Crystal. Okay, so Crystal yeah. Maria. Thank you, uh, ladies, for gracing me with Marsha. And we worked together years ago on one of the um, projects, I guess uh, you could say. My, one of my photo shoots mm -hmm. on natural hair when you had big natural curls. Yeah. And since then, I've been watching you just kill it on the internet scene. Thank Kill you. it on the social media scene. Thank you, thank um, you. From working with, um, what was it called? I know Claire. Fashion Bomb Daily. Yes, I remember work. I definitely, you know, was following along. I don't do fashion at all. Like yeah, I just. Me neither, no more. I mean, yeah. like fashion just isn't my life. Yeah. Like, I am in here in sweats every week. I will be live soon. So some of you guys know that we do this Every week, um, I go live on my Facebook. I haven't, um, there is a Facebook for travel and shit, but as of now, I just go live on my personal Facebook. At some point, it will probably transfer to another platform or something of the other. Oh, we went live on IG last week, but I left my, uh, you know, my burner phone, uh, if you will, <laughs> at the house. So we'll only have one, but anyway. So that to say, Marsha has been uh, very active in the social medias and as a blogger, as an influencer, and um, I just kind of want you guys to get a feel for what it is that she does and what her experiences are so that when we continue our travel conversation, you have, I guess, a basis, because I know her personally, so I can surmise, if you will, you know, a different or at least connect your personality to it. So uh, what exactly did you do with uh, Fashion Bomb Daily? And like, what have you been working on recently and stuff? So um, I am a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, I want to say, one of my first loves. I'm a creative, so anything creative I'm here for. Um, but writing for Fashion Bomb Daily, I was the senior editor and um, so I ran their social media account and I also um, started freelancing for other publications. So I've written for Huffington Post, Blavity. Uh, I currently freelance for Madame Noir, Naturally Curly. Um, I have my own blog. It's called Introvert in the City. 
the letter N in the city. Mm-hmm. And basically, I just talk about life as an introvert, traveling as an introvert, you know, um, awkward interactions, how to deal with them, stuff like that. I do empowerment events, um, but a big part of my life has been travel. Mm-hmm. I've been all over the world. Uh, more recently, I came back from Kenya in December. Okay. Um, and I like to do at least like three to four international trips a year. I just feel like it's really important for black people to be represented in other parts of the world and just experience culture. Like you can see the moon here in New York, but there's nothing like seeing the moon, the same moon yeah. somewhere else in the world. Um, it's a totally different experience. So, okay. So, As an introvert. Yes. How has that... Well, okay, no. I remember what I wanted to say because I know you're not going to bring it up. Can Can you mention, um, you know, some, I don't know, like, like a new nickname, if you will, a baby Oprah of some sort, <laughs> if you will? <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. You Thank out here you. winning awards and shit left and right. Tell the people, like, your accomplishments. Don't sell yourself small. Um, Thank you. I recently, Saturday, uh, was given an award for my philanthropic efforts um, in Kenya. So uh, last year, before I got to Kenya, I raised a couple of thousand dollars. A couple of thousand dollars. (laughs) Cool. And um, I donated it to an organization, but part of the donation was that once I got to Kenya, I would be able to spend some of that money Mm -hmm. um, as I saw fit. So what I did was... I took a big chunk of the money, went shopping, bought the kids clothes. We went to a school, mm-hmm. a school for orphans. And so I bought the kids clothing, bought them shoes, bought uh, food for their families. Okay. Because what I was told is at this school, the meals that they have at the school is the only meal that they'll have for the day. So when they go home on a Friday, more than likely they're not eating that entire weekend until they return on Monday. So I felt like it was really important to not only give the kids clothing, but also like, you know, have food, have dinner. Like you yeah. get to you get to eat this weekend and you get to um, just have that opportunity to have breakfast, lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that and um, I helped build or well, help fund the library for the school. Okay. There was a lady who was, uh, what's it called? She's paralyzed Mm. from the waist down. And so she can't work. And so I was able to pay her rent for a couple of months. And my last day in Kenya, I saw two boys that are homeless. And so in Kenya, that's normal. It's normal to have children living on the streets. Whereas in New York... You're not going to see a six or seven or eight year old person in, you know, ripped clothes sleeping on the street. And so that really, really like affected me. And so I was able to keep in contact with the boys and we got them off the streets and into boarding school. And I'm sort of at this point um, 
helping pay their tuition and, you know, whatever clothes they need. I'll always fundraise so that we can send money down Mm -hmm. and make sure that, you know, their needs are met. And we'll definitely have um, links to how people can donate and assist you in supporting your philanthropic philanthropic efforts in the um, description um, for the episode. Speaking of descriptions, you can now find descriptions for episodes on travel and shit on quite a few different platforms um on spotify now on iHeartRadio, as well as soundcloud and itunes so um for now i think that those are all the major ones that i've heard of i feel like if you need to find it on another platform that you should maybe you know welcome into the uh the new year into 2019 and, you know, maybe just download something else. But if, of course, somehow you find this podcast and it's not on the platform that you'd prefer to listen to, shoot me an email uh, or something and talk to me. We'll see what happens. However, yeah, different platforms. I'm really excited about that. Traveling shit is ever growing. And um, as I grow, I'd still like to say thank you to those of you that, that have been listening and to those of you that have been supporting. Continue to show up. Continue to listen, continue to tell your friends and all of that great jazz. So back to Marsha question. How do you reconcile or I don't want to say reconcile as if it's um, something wrong. I feel like that's the negative con- connotation to that. There's a negative tone there. How do you decide, I guess, to support I guess, children in another country when there are children in Mm -hmm. like our own neighborhoods that need help or, you know what I mean? It's just like one of those things where you're, where they'll say, oh, you're feeding kids in Africa, but Mm -hmm. there are kids in Brooklyn that are hungry. Like does, how does that resonate for you? How does, I think, um, you will never fully understand the difference between what's happening in Brooklyn, what's happening in Kenya Mm -hmm. until you go. Or anywhere in Africa, anywhere in you know other parts of the world, I think yes, there are definitely people who are going hungry in New York City, but there are also resources. Um, you will never find a five or six or seven year old homeless on the street in New York City, um, and if you do. You pick the kid up, you take them to the police station. You know they go through foster care. Is that the best? No, but mm-hmm. it is They're provided for. It's provided. Whereas if you see a young child in Kenya on the streets, that's their home. That that and that's just it. You know, okay. they you know, so I think even though there are hard ways that happen in the US, there's still, you know, resources that, that you can you know, you can seek out. Right. There have been people who are now famous who have gone through foster care, who have lived that life. Like, oh, I lived on the street. I've done this. I've done that. And through the resources have been able to be put in a home and go to school and find stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I decided to help those two young kids in particular is because I wonder what their life could be if they had the same resources that we have. You know, if they, even looking at myself, if someone who was less fortunate had what I had, would they work harder than I'm working right now? Mm. Because in some respect, I feel like I take a lot of what I have for granted, whereas someone who has less would really maximize 
the resources that they have available to them. Very good point. You phrase it, it so that it really, it hits, it makes sense. Thank you for that. Um, so what was your experience like there? Like where in Kenya were you? Um, why did you choose Kenya? Or uh, was Kenya presented to you as an mm-hmm. option? Like how did, how did that work? Uh, because I love to travel, it was just what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm impulsive, so it literally was a travel page followed me and you know i went to the page i looked through their page saw what they did and i was like oh they do travel groups Mm -hmm. and it was between kenya or morocco okay and i don't remember what made me choose kenya but i leaned i think it was the dates that they were offering and so i leaned more towards kenya Mm -hmm. When I was there, I flew into Nairobi. I spent a couple of days in Nairobi. Then I went to Masai Mara. Okay. And I stayed in a tent in the middle of the safari, which was amazing. I got to see, you know, the Masai people. Yeah. And see how they live and visit their little clay huts and, you know, which was really dope. And then I went back to Nairobi and then I went to Kisumu, which is where the school was. And so from I spent a couple of days in the school. Okay. Um, and that was pretty cool, too. Definitely all three different places. I got to experience, like, the very high life, which would be regular life for us. Wow. And then, you know, sleeping in a tent and seeing where people sleep in you know, huts, Mm -hmm. which is, they even had an option for us to, like, if you wanted to sleep in the huts with the families, to which I was like, no, thank you. Thank you, but no, thank you. Like, this is an experience in itself. I don't. So what was it? What were the sleeping arrangements? It is. So they, uh, they have very little, they have contact with, you know, the modern world, mm-hmm. but very little influence. Mm. Um, there's no running water. There's no toilet. There's none of that. So it literally is a clay hut. Um, what they have that's modern is they have like little flashlights that have been sponsored um, and sent over. So they have like, and that's their source of light. So if you go in, there's like a little s- stove, which is coal with like, like a grate or something. A grate over, over it. it, and it's constantly on to keep the place warm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they cook in there, and then a little over is like a hard place for a bed, and you know they use like uh, scarves and stuff to make it soft, so you sleep on that. And they have like bedrooms, which is just another part doing of the air hut. quotes, basically. Okay. Yeah, is just it- an another part of the hut that has a place for a bed and so there's usually about maybe four to five people that live in them it's a family uh husband wife kids yeah what about like where um like grandparents and um aunt well so well i mean four to five i don't know why i had a a vision in my mind of other places in the world just keeping their families mm-hmm. closer. Well, they than would all here. be in the same village, but okay. this is—it's very family oriented. So, 
this is mothers, fathers, everyone gets married. And then the guys, the guys go through this extensive training to become a man. So they get, uh, I think, circumcised at, is it 12 or 13? Oh, that sucks. And then there's, or is it, I may be wrong on the order of this, Mm -hmm. but at some point they get circumcised and sent into the wild to do training. Mm -hmm. They come back. And I don't know if it's when they come back that they get some circumcised or before, but either way, they can only come back as a man when they kill a lion. So they're sent into the jungle, into the wild for years, and that's how they're trained to become a man, to kill, to hunt. Um, they learn medicine. So the Maasai people are very very skilled when it comes to medicine like you go to them when you're sick you go to them for the most natural remedies period um they drink cow blood you know that's how they like it's real life it's different it's completely different um so when the man comes back after he's killed the lion, that's when he becomes a man mm-hmm. and he can get married. Okay. So essentially these men, it's like, it's different. Like they're virgins all the way up until that happens. And then they get a wife. Okay. They live in their hut. They have kids and got it. Yeah. That's so if you don't kill a lion, you're like the outcast and you have to go back until you do. Wow. Yeah. I'm taking pause here just because it's just just it's such a different life it's so just different. such a different life yeah and, and to try think. to walk into that without judgment was i don't want to say it was difficult but it was like this is how they live and you don't have For to so understand long. it yeah that like, it's I lasted mean, this amount of it time was cow shit everywhere it was and i'm thinking this is not sanitary for these kids running around they got kids got cuts on their legs and they run around and it's not like you know you got a cut on your leg you go to the bathroom and wash Rinse it, it off. off right no you just got a cut on your leg and then if you fall into cow shit then you know so that's simple where my, things simple yeah, things that's where my mind went but i, I had to take step a step back, back. and say this is actually how we as a people have been living long before like right this we made our- it this far because you can live through cow shit on a cut if you well will. no but i mean our ancestors upon ancestors upon oh, ancestors course. like this is the life that this they is- are still so in in my mind it's beautiful it's like it's wow mm-hmm. this is how our people lived but yeah i had to remove the western yes thinking to see that and what's what i'm thinking of when in that is just how some cultures are able to hold on to some of these traditional aspects and as a very american american i have no traditions Mm -hmm. other than like sunday dinner yeah other than maybe American traditions but I feel culturally mm-hmm. I don't have any and then also there's the whole American African American I don't want to say issue but existence of not necessarily being able to hold on to your culture because of the roots of slavery and how yeah. all of that happened so you know there's that and that's that on that however 
it's not like they just held on to a piece of their culture and assimilated to technology and Mm -hmm. quote modern life if you will that they've been able to keep this Mm -hmm. prosper and now i'm like i'm questioning how do some of the children or even some of the adults feel when we come in to see how they live you know what i mean like they need us to come in and see how they live but why because we fund we help fund and continue to fund their their lives we help sustain it so essentially maasai uh villages you know just started letting people come in Mm -hmm. because you know they're indigenous places that are like no human like we don't want you here we will kill you on site yeah um but maasai people they started you know all the like african jewelry that you see yeah like they beat them and they they do all of this as a way of revenue. So when you come in and it don't even have to be the village, it could be someone from the village that walks miles to the closest city mm-hmm. with all these accessories to sit on a road and sell it to you. Mm-hmm. And then they make their money and they walk all the way back. Like they've had to adopt some type of modern um ways of living in terms of that respect because back in the day you didn't it wasn't monetary it was just like okay well i got this cow i got this cow i got i'm, I'm rich i got mad cows i'm rich <laughs> right. you know now it's like no we actually need money and so they don't mind when we came they did a whole song and dance for us they gave us a tour and you know at the end of the tour it was like here's all the accessories that we made. Y'all gonna buy it or not? Right. You know, and you end up spending all your money Mm -hmm. and then you hop on a bus and then whoever, whatever next tour group comes in, they do the same Same thing. thing. So, I mean, I'm feeling so ignorant right now because I'm, in one respect, they live such a authentic, um, I don't say ancestral, but they live such an authentic, simple mm-hmm. life. They don't have running water. They don't have electricity other than for, I'm thinking, machinery to farm or, you know, an occasional car should there for some reason be mm-hmm. a need to get to a town if someone's really sick or something like no that, car. then... Okay, so no car. So what did they what did they need money for? If they are growing their own food, if they don't have running water, they don't have electricity. Food shelter so, clothing is provided for already for the not most part. Necessarily. So, okay. Here was the setup. Remember I said I stayed in a tent in the safari. And yeah. I, the safari is uh a way that they make money. Mm-hmm. Not they, the Maasai, but Kenya. You know, someone owns the safari. Of course. Um, They have people who mine the animals and make sure everything's okay. Groundsmen and stuff like that. So the guy that was uh, our guide for the safari, he um, stayed in the tent, not with us. But, you know, he the the lights were operated by generator. Mm -hmm. There was someone from the village who would come over and cook. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had like really authentic food. Um, generator was between like maybe 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. So 7 p.m. lights are out, mm-hmm. you know, because, well, I think it was like 8, 
maybe eight or nine um, because this is a safari and there's animals and blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's very little contact that happens um, with the people in the village. You know, they might come over and shoot the shit with, with the guide. But the issue is, is that remember, these young men have to go out into the the desert, the jungle, wherever, and um, go through this training to become a man. And mm-hmm. so now they're killing the livestock mm-hmm. that's, you know, happening, you know, that's there. They're killing the lions. You know, you kill a lion, you become a man, you can get married, you're highly recognized in, in the village, whatever. So the higher ups took issues with the Maasai people doing this. So what they are trying to do is sustain their little land so that because now like the Kenyan government is like against them for killing, you know, livestock. Okay. They get fined. They like imagine you you You're doing what you've been doing for for, the uh, the entire history of your people and now all of a sudden because another ruling authority has decided to do things differently your traditions are being yeah so they they are now faced with okay well in order to just keep all of this in operation and sort of stay true to our culture we need we need to do this it's it's hard to say because they're not completely like other places who don't want human contact. Okay. They still do. They still would love clothing, baby clothes, and they still would love, you know, more little lights to put in their huts. And mm-hmm. they still, you know, they still welcome all that stuff. Okay. And financially, like there are very little, very few people from Maasai who have actually like made it out and made it like big in life they're they're a couple but they're very few Got so it. people really like stick to that lifestyle and they need to sustain it okay that makes it uh that sheds a little more light on it no pun intended if you will <laughs> so we're on live now um yeah. i still kind of have like i guess it's a mental block mm-hmm. if you will to the idea of having outsiders just come in and watch you do things. Mm-hmm. Um, it To me, it just feels like I'm a zoo experiment. You're like I'm a yeah. zoo exhibit. Like I'm trying to think of, maybe not. Cause I'm thinking like if I were to have somebody come in and watch me do the podcast, what's the big deal? This is just Think normal. of it like this though. So there, there are people who, um, you can't come in unless you're welcomed, right? So they've allowed a space for you to enter and see how they live. Mm-hmm. Opposed to other places, like I said, you get killed on site. Like that guy right. who took the boat, the Christian guy who took mm-hmm. the boat and got killed by the Indians. Like, right. no, we don't want you here. So there's a difference, you know. Some people fully recognize, like, I'm not a social experiment and this is my real life. And right. no, I don't want to have anything to do with western world and then others are a little bit more open to it for the financial aspect it's no different from like street tours in brooklyn 
Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm still grappling. Well, were there any whites there while you were there? Yes. Because last week I was talking about, and I'm pretty sure that this is the exact same experience or a very Mm -hmm. similar experience that I'd seen a woman post about on Instagram or like on a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to understand why I felt away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As if I wanted to keep African culture to myself or like to ourselves. And we had mentioned or we had discussed a little bit prior. um, One of the, I guess, points you had mentioned is that Africa is not monolithic. It's not just one. Yeah. You don't go to Africa. Right. You go to places in Africa. It's like when somebody's well, it's. It's like when you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to Europe. But then it's just like, OK, so where? Like yeah. Europe isn't yeah. like a destination, if you will. It's yeah. it's a continent, mm-hmm. as is Africa. There's a lot going on. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to the States. Oh, that's nice. They're they're very different. So <laughs> where are you going? And what was your experience with white people in that space as like um were they americans that were there no okay they were from the uk mm-hmm. um and now was this trip a like just a trip for fun if you will or was this like a mission trip was this a no it was just it was just part of the excursions planned got it so um the only mission aspect of it was the last part, which was the school. Okay. Um, but for this, no. And the it was a couple. It was a uh, young lady and her boyfriend, and they have been together for like 10 years, and she's like a photographer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she had her camera. I mean, I had my camera too. Um, and, you know, she was letting the kids play with her camera because they, like, yeah, most likely never seen anything like that before. Um, and they they loved her. But they also knew, because us black folks, we, we are, say I want to say the same say across it. the globe. Because we were like, um, no, I don't want to buy that. No, I don't want. And she bought everything. Mm-hmm. Like, she dropped a couple hundred. And um, we, we bought stuff but like stuff that we knew you had use for or yeah, that yeah, you were going we would, to you had yeah. intention for not to, you're not going to guilt me into buying this yeah i mean and there were no um there was no negotiation they would be like it's this much and she'd be like okay mm-hmm. whereas i'd be like Mm-mm, no because i know because we know like i know what you're doing yeah yeah and so there was that but then there's also a certain level of Depending on how much they're trying to hit you for, and oh, no, then they, how they go about they, it, they, because they over over inflate. I did have one experience when I went to Cape Town. Okay. Um, I went on a tour in Cape Town, and there was a white lady from Switzerland, mm-hmm. and we saw. You know, we were walking around. We saw this lady with her baby, and in in South Africa in general. I was shocked. There are tons of white people. Obviously, they have that history, apartheid. Like, there's tons of white people. Like, I was shocked by that. Mm-hmm. But you have to, like, experience it. You think you're in, you're in Africa. Africa. You're going to yeah. see all black people. No, there were a lot of white people. And so this lady, she was on the tour by herself. And she saw 
this white, um, this black lady with a baby. And she's like, oh, look at the little black baby. Get the fuck. But she, but she, her heart was like, she really thought the little black baby was beautiful. Hmm. But I'm for sure her, she, she has to say, look at the little black baby. And she, you know, she would mention how her um, her parents or her friends would uh, make fun of her because she's always with the black men. And, you know, so there is like just this emphasis on speaking on blackness. Mm-hmm. Like you have to almost overdo it so that you know that I'm OK with it, mm-hmm. you know, for those who who feel that. So it's like, I want to make you comfortable. So I'm going, going to acknowledge Go out of my way that I to... like the black baby and that I date black men. Got it. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So there, there was a lot of that, um, you know, cause I like black people mm-hmm. and you know, in South Africa, there was, uh, there was this gay couple men that we met and they were telling us about reverse racism. They were like, you know, I would go for a job interview and I wouldn't get it and they'd give it to the black person. <laughs> and I'm like, that's probably because they were qualified. Like, this is not yeah, something you're used let, to. Let that go. You're used to that privilege where it, you know. Yeah. So there was that. I didn't experience that in Kenya because Kenya okay. didn't have as many um, white people. Mm-hmm. There was more Asian. Asians go everywhere. Bruh, they, and they go in droves. Mm -hmm. They go in full on coach buses at a time together. And so like the Asians are actually dominating parts of Africa. Like they are the same that they do here. There is, um, like moving and living there, moving, living and building businesses. Wow. So the people who are paving the roads in in Africa is its own in, in Kenya is owned by a Chinese company. And so they are like, yeah, they, they are dominating. They are. I you, wish we like, could I like have that. like a blown mind emoji emoji. Just like, yeah, right now they are. Wow. And yeah. see, that's what my issue with outside industries, bringing work, bringing jobs to the community mm-hmm. because they're not bringing jobs for a lot of times for the people that live in well, those no, they're communities. Hiring, they're hiring people who are black. They are hiring black people, but it's it's like Chinese owned. And like, I just can feel you like... imagine if can you imagine the power we had if we had that mentality? Like I'm going to go to a whole different country, country and, and yeah. start a business. Like that can easily be a Kenyan company mm-hmm. that that's doing it in Kenya. Ken- yeah, yeah. Like even here, if we would, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't know, own our own corner stores or own our own beauty supplies and it's not that there aren't any of us that mm-hmm. do but it's like you're such a unicorn because you're not the majority at all it's so unheard of that yeah. when it does happen it's just like holy shit like let's go run and support this person but as it should as it should but it, I would also like to just say oh well how about I do one too or you know yeah. I'll open one but um what You did the trip to Kenya. Mm-hmm. The philanthropic work you did was after you got back home, or was it because of, or was there a separate trip? Um, no, so trip? it was before. Okay, so, so beforehand, I raised, you I did all that before. Before. Okay. And so when I got there, I was able to spend some of the money. Um, 
And then I raised money afterwards. So the money that I raised afterwards was Went specifically to the for the boys. boys. The boys and to continue to help pay that lady's rent. Okay. Um, to which... I was hit up like a month ago, like, girl, she, her light's about to be turned off. Can you help us sit down? Like, okay, I gotta. Mm -hmm. So similar or not similar to, but following up with the experience that you had in South Africa Mm -hmm. and in Kenya with the different demographics of Mm -hmm. white people, how have you experienced blackness, if you will, in maybe non-black countries? Um, so I feel like we're underrepresented. Like, I know we go. Mm -hmm. I know we go. I see the Instagram pictures. Like, if you search the travel black hashtags or anything about being black and traveling, you know, we're out there. But for some reason, it's not um, as much as it should be. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, going out, going, I went to Amsterdam and um, I went in a bike shop and there was this guy from Puerto Rico. He um, he lived, he's from Ohio. His family's from Puerto Rico and he moved to Amsterdam because he had uh, a girlfriend and she lived in Amsterdam. So he moved with her and he was saying to me um, that he doesn't see a lot of black Americans come here. And I'm like, you kidding me? This is Amsterdam. Of course you see a lot of black Americans come here. And he said, no, he he doesn't see us out there. So we're not really being represented in a lot of places. I went to um, Brussels mm-hmm. and it was like the same experience. Like, ooh, a black person. And then if you're a black American, they love you. For some reason, they can't stand black Africans. Hmm. And that's universal. Like you go to Italy, you go to London, you go to the black Africans for some reason. No love. Not as received. Yeah. But black Americans, they love you. They love you. Even in South Africa, they were there. I think they're like 23 years post-apartheid. Mm-hmm. And so there's still racial tension. Re- tension. Bro, that was in our lifetime. Yeah. There's like, still racial tension. In our lifetime of our foreseeable, I remember, stuff mm-hmm. that happened lifetime. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but we're not too far, you know, ahead of them. Yeah, well... We're this not that. You, you, we're you not know. that uh, civilized. As yeah, yeah, we're not. Got it. Mm-hmm. Imagine like where we are now racially is where they'll be right. in like forty years, maybe. Jesus Christ. Yeah, but even going there, they looked at me as a Black American, which was different, mm-hmm. which was like uh, elite, opposed to a Black African. And again, there's that overcompensation. Like, I didn't like that apartheid. I didn't understand mm-hmm. it. You know, it's horrible what they did to those people. And what they're doing now, though, the government is actually enforcing that you give back the land. Okay. Um, Actual reparations. Ba- yeah. You give back the land. Um, the government pays out to... Uh, Africans, like Africans will get maybe, uh, this is uh, not exact figures, but let's say Africans will get 75% support from the government. Um, Black Africans. Black Africans. Mm -hmm. What's the, coloreds, because coloreds still a thing. 
Okay. So the coloreds would get like maybe 45% and whites get nothing. Okay. So coloreds would be mixed or interracial Africans. So what I learned is if you cannot identify your African tribe, you are considered a colored. So we, even though we are black, Mm -hmm. we are colored. Interesting. You have to be able to identify your tribe to be considered African. And that's part of my... I try to choose my words intentionally, but I also don't want to... Because this is not exactly visual, so I'm sitting here trying to think of what it is I'm trying to say. But um, I did the Mm Ancestry.com. And what I recently learned is that the results change. Um, when I first did it, I did it maybe I had hair, so it had to be two years ago. Mm-hmm. Easy. And um it was identified that hella black, I'm like eighty two percent black, eighty percent African, excuse mm-hmm. me. And it was mostly um Western and then a little bit of central, but mostly heavily Western. Mm-hmm. I think it was like um Sierra not Sierra um Ivory Coast, Congo and two other, I think Cameroon and like one other country. Mm-hmm. But those were the majority of the percentage, percentages that I was given. And it's since morphed. It's, you know, the numbers have changed. It's a little more of this, a little more of that, less of this, whatever, whatever. But having all of that information still doesn't help me if say I wanted to go to one of these countries and then see where my aunt or my lineage was from or to see where someone Mm -hmm. possibly somewhere down the line may have been. It's like, okay, so I'm in the country, but where the hell in the country do I go? It's like somebody from your family is from New York, but mm -hmm. New York is an entire state. That's very different. You can identify certain people from like, like Louisiana, mm-hmm. you can just tell that there's like, okay, they got some French in them. Mm-hmm. Or you can... And Creoles. Yeah. You can tell, like, you know the difference between a Dominican and a Puerto Rican. Yep. Um, it's sort of the same thing. So okay. when I was there, I would specifically ask people, like, what tribe do you think I'm from? And of course, I don't remember what they said. Got it. Um but that that was what I did to help. Like, who do you think I look like? And okay. they would identify tribes. So in Kenya, again, I don't remember the number, but I think there's like either 80 something different tribes, I think. Um, I think. I don't remember. Okay. Um, so of these 80 something tribes, um, they were able to say, yeah, you look like this one. And what I did was I would ask more than one person in different places to see if they would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I could go to another part of Africa and And ask the same thing, and they might say something else. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what I tried to do just to get a general understanding. I don't retain... I retain information, but... Not that much information. Same. Retention's not my ministry. Yeah. It just doesn't sit well it's for, for me. It's for the moment. It's yeah. knowledge for the moment, and then... If I don't write it down, then it's not going it to... It never happened. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those, oh, I feel like this was the thing. Yeah. Maybe, mm, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um. So, what... What would be... Maybe an odd question. Well, not odd, but just somewhat random. What was, like, your most... 
most interesting, if you will, like, I don't want to say racial, but like a racial or an ethnic encounter, if you will, like something that really had you stand back or pause in any of your travels? Uh, <laughs> uh, I went to, I went to uh, Costa Rica and I took a day trip to Nicaragua. Because the point of traveling is to maximize. Like, how many places can I go exactly. on the same dime? Exactly. So I, yeah. So we um, woke up at the ass crack, um, had a shuttle bus pick us up. We were staying in this beautiful resort, had a shuttle bus pick us up and meet at a location. And so at that location, of course, of course, again, representation, we're the only two black people there. Hmm. Uh, I was there with another friend. And so we're the only two black people there. And we see a bunch of white people and they're getting on the bus. And so, you know, you get on a bus with a bunch of people. It's like, okay, we got to talk. And so uh, one of the ladies immediately goes, oh, are you guys the translators? And I was like, "Um, no, we actually paid to be here like you. Just like you, yeah. You know, And, and like... That was the first time that's ever happened to me. Mm. That was like, oh, so I couldn't afford to be, I had to be the help. Yeah. The translators, like, what are we translating? Yeah, it's Spanish, but I mean, there's a driver and a guide for that. Why, like, why are the only two black people the translators? Why couldn't they have been paid participants on this ride, you know? And so it was an older woman. So her, the lady's daughter was like, no, mom, they're here on the trip just like us Mm. and um you know try to like so where are you from yeah clean it up you know yeah and and so when that happens you know i had to hit them with the one two oh well i'm actually a social media manager for a non-profit organization Mm -hmm. and you know i live in brooklyn new york which is so expensive to live you like you feel like you you have to overcompensate yourself Yeah, because you think i'm you think i'm gutter right now Mm -hmm. you think that I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm. And I have to let you know that I actually have achieved things in life. Right. That have have allotted me the opportunity to be on this trip with you. Right. Lady. You know, so that was my first time having that happen to me. And and like all in all, she didn't she didn't mean any harm. That's ignorance. You know, see, there's a difference between Where where do you think she was from? Um, Were they Americans or they were Americans. Were they? I don't remember if they were Americans. Honestly, I don't remember. But I do chalk it up to ignorance. Not ignorant and like dumb, but ignorant like they just didn't know. You better than me. Because there, there is a difference. There, mm. there are those people that just aren't exposed to it. They, they. I get that, but yeah. that's not generally my first thought. Yeah. It's usually like a tertiary kind of process. No, like I can that tell is. the difference. I can mm-hmm. tell the difference between... Uh, what are you doing here? And right. like, oh, she must be, you know, it's like a white person coming up to you in the store and asking you for help. It's like, bitch, I don't, I I don't know. When you find out <laughs> where that's from, you tell me. Cause right. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I don't know. I don't work here, mm. you know, but whatever. In a sundress on the cell phone, you know, with your purse across mm-hmm. the body. Like why would, why would it look like I worked here? Yeah, we're in Target or like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I'm not in uniform. I'm not wearing khakis. Yeah, My microaggressions, not red. microaggressions. Yeah, but all right. So 
what is like the next what is next for introvert in the city what is next um, for so what's next is uh first of all at this event on this past saturday when i was awarded being called baby oprah mm-hmm. is like an honor because you don't at least for me i didn't think that what i was doing was major i felt like if people knew they would do the same thing you know so it's it's sort of like i don't even know why i'm being recognized for this because i feel like if you knew what was going on in other parts of the world you would be led to do the same thing Mm -hmm. um but still like humbled and so gracious you know grateful and appreciative of that um so it sparked something in me to like keep going Mm -hmm. because you know to know that like I got two kids in Africa right now that are in school and I want to make sure that they finish school and then I want to see what's going to happen next for them mm-hmm. um, and be able to contribute to that. And I could like literally be the stranger in America that's helping them. Right. You know, and I'm fine with that. Um, so I want to be able to continue to assist the two boys and help the lady with her rent. Um, and then in, in other capacities, see how else I can help. I think donating to schools is great because education is important, Mm -hmm. but we have to remember that once they leave school, they have a home and like, imagine how you feel when you leave work and there's no dinner Mm -hmm. and then there's no breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Like, how would you physically, how would you feel? Right. Physically, you're tired, you're hungry, you know, you're agitated, you got a a headache. You Like, how do you feel physically not having enough water, not having, like, thinking about that. Like, the school aspect is great, but now, now what? When these kids go home, what are they going to do? You can't be expected to excel in school if you don't have Mm -hmm. your basic life needs met yeah you know it's kind of like when teachers come from you know different populations that aren't used to struggle or used to not having certain things and they wonder why like their kid maybe always sleep in school or why certain kids act out or why certain kids socially have you know a little more difficulty with certain things and well, it's because they're, you know, lacking in a lot of other areas or there are issues yeah. at home that now are spilling into school. So yeah. it's it's definitely that was a good point. Like, OK, so you finish school now. What? Yeah. Be- and then like, OK, so I was talking to somebody who told me this is a random conversation, how she was she's vegan. She was vegan and realized like it was actually doing it was hindering her health rather than um, making it better. And thinking about that like just everyday life if you're not having the right nutrients in Mm -hmm. your body and you're depending on this one meal a day which is maybe bread and peanut butter and some milk or rice and you know but you're not getting the nutrients that you need like you're you're raising a kid who might you know start getting sick because they're not being nourished nourished the way that they're supposed to so i think about stuff like that too and that's why Mm -hmm. i chose to instead of donating to a school to build a library like i said that's still good right 
these kids need to go home and eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Their parents should be able to eat as well. Yeah. There are siblings that maybe aren't in school and are just helping with work or whatever. Yeah. It'd be nice if they can eat as well. It shouldn't yeah. only be one person in a five person household that's mm-hmm. eating because you're the youngest kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody else is sacrificing for you to eat because you're the baby. But yeah, I can. Yeah. Got it. And, and these families, not all of them that don't have um, working parents. Mm-hmm. Some parents work, you know, but it's just not enough to oh, absolutely. sustain anything. Right. It's like, I can't even equate it to New York because it's not. But imagine, you know, minimum wage is $15 an hour and rent is at the very least 1500 Right. You know, so it's like, okay, how am I going to pay 1500 in rent and light and then, you know, maybe heat and hot water, Groceries. a Metro card, Oof, you know, it. like on $15 an hour. So it's like the same on a very lower scale. Right. Next question. How did you find out about this trip? How did you... So the mission work started or the fil- philanthropic aspect of it started after you got, well, no, it was before. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to actually do this and why Kenya? So um, what inspired me to raise the money mm-hmm. was leadership. Hmm Leadership. Um, through the Momentum community, there's a fundraising aspect and... Um, I had a very ambitious goal of raising $8,000. I did not. I raised, uh, I think, 2500 which mm-hmm. I was very happy with. You can imagine how long and far 2500 goes in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Like, big willy style. <laughs> I mean, these kids was living it up off of that money. Right. Um, I mean, it funded a library. It helped feed, I think, six families. Then we bought clothes and shoes. We had a party. Mm-hmm. And, and there was tons of money left over for the school to do what they wanted. Okay. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I found out about the trip. Um, they followed me on Instagram, and I was just like, oh, what's this about? And I'm very impulsive, so as soon as I saw it, anything travel-related anyway, there's never going to be a lot of convincing Okay. at all. I literally wake up and be like... I'm gonna book this trip and figure it out later. That that's just how I've always been. So when they followed me on Instagram and I saw the trip. So what kind of account was it? It wasn't like a travel noir where people are just posting no. travel pictures. So it's, it's destination impact, destination dot impact. Okay. And they do travel groups with they call it travel with a purpose. Got it. So they do travel groups with intentions of giving back. Okay. So not a sponsored episode, by the way. It was just a question. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you're listening, feel will, free to reach out. I will let them know. Wink, They're wink, actually nod, nod. raising money right now um, to uh, get uh, water to Morocco. Ooh. So Moroccan families get, I think, ten gallons of water. Was it per month? That's it. 10 gallons of water per month. And so they're raising money now. Their goal is 15000 They're raising money now to um, be able to have a well and con- consistent running water there. Do you know how easily I go through 10 gallons? Yeah. Just like on showers. Yeah. Washing dishes. Mm-hmm. 
I don't not just like drinking, cooking, yeah. laundry. There is this world is really big, first of all. Mm-hmm. And seeing how other people live in other parts of the world will really put things into perspective for you. It's like mm-hmm. I think twice about throwing out food. I think twice about like buying stuff and like keeping the tags on it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I went to Kenya, I brought a whole bunch of clothes with me and I gave them mm-hmm. to the teachers in the school because I'm like, this is going to be more useful here than it right. is going to be in my closet, in my drawer. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you I just bought do. like an extra, you just checked a bag and just left. Yeah, I, I just brought a big suitcase and, and oh gosh. So even with all the clothes and shoes that I brought, I still did not have room in my suitcase going back Hmm. because I'm ignorant, but whatever. Yeah. So now like you kind of like sparked a whole nother line of questioning and I'm trying not to be here for like 14 hours. (laughs) So with the group trips, if you will. So you went with other people that were on this same. Mm hmm. I actually recruited, so when I signed up for the trip, after they followed me on Instagram and I followed them back and I saw the trip, I booked maybe like a week later. Oh, wow. I put, not not booked, I put a down payment. Okay. Like a week later. Okay. If that. And then I told my friends and they were like, we want to come. And then they put a down payment. And then I told people in my LT and they were like, we want to come. And then they put a down payment. And so by the time it was like mm. a couple of months, they in, were probably talking about your LT when they mentioned a bunch of people had traveled someplace together. They, they, ain't nobody go. Nobody ended up going. No girl. Oh, no. I guess that was a refundable down no. payment. No, it wasn't. Oh, so they just, yeah, to they're, they're gonna try to transfer it but like by the time like maybe three months into me booking maybe three or four months um into me booking i had about maybe 12 people who had signed up mm-hmm. and of those 12 people one person one person came, and then they had another girl who signed up and she missed the trip so she was able to come on this one okay so it was three of us Whoa. So it was a small group. Okay. Because that's my concern is I'm a solo travel person. Mm-hmm. I really like. And that was before I forget. Let me just ask what fuck it flew out. It was. Oh, when you are able to experience firsthand how people are living so differently from where we are. How do you travel are you saying airbnbs it's definitely not resort living Um, are you just seeing this through excursions or are you just a random let's walk around this town or are you just a really questioning person like do you just talk mm -hmm. and ask questions of people that are helping maybe serving in hotels or at restaurants like how do you really get a because i feel like even though when i travel i generally stick to airbnbs Mm mm-hmm I feel like I only still have like a loose grasp on the way people live in other places. Yeah. Because it's still going to be an Airbnb where they're providing for a certain level of, you know, um, comfort. Yeah. uh, Because they know that they're housing or hosting tourists. 
So um, that was that question. Um, I don't know if you want to answer that or if you want to swing back to, because I just wanted to get it out before I forget, just because my mind and how it works <laughs> and I don't have paper. Usually I try to keep paper nearby for when that happens. Yeah. But um, you were saying how the mission travel was actually booked. Like you did the down payment. Some people were supposed to come. They didn't come. Mm-hmm. So it was more people than the two or three people that you knew. Or was it that it's just a really small group of people? Um, so the, the way they do it, I guess they have, I'm assuming I think they have like a certain set amount of people that they want to come. Mm-hmm. And so I, since I had, and there's monthly payments okay, or bi-monthly. So since like 12 people signed up, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that that trip was closed for other people to jump on. Um, but once they started to realize like, oh. It's only you and so-and-so. And then the other girl, like, that was just it. That's just okay. how the cookie crumbled. And in hindsight, I'm like, I don't know that I would have been able to deal with so many other people because okay. it was such an intimate trip. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of what happened probably wouldn't have gelled if there were that many people. That many people. Um, but to your first question, goodness... I'm forgetting your first. Qu- oh, so to your first question, what I did when I first got to Kenya, I stayed at an Airbnb mm-hmm. and I got there before everyone else. So I got there like maybe two days earlier okay. because I wanted to like do my own exploring. I never go out by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. We were talking about this on the way here. Like I'm just overly cautious um, to a fault. Um we were talking all about on the way here how like I'm not even gonna take train home because like I don't want to walk from the station to my house and it's just a safety thing for me. Okay. Um, there's a lot of crazy people out there and if I can take an Uber to guarantee my guarantee my safety, that's what I'm gonna do. Right. Um. So initially, I wanted to go to Kenya early and by myself, mm-hmm. and then you know, the fear started to settle in. And so I told one of the other girls who was coming, she's like, can I come with you? And I was like, absolutely. Okay. Um, so she came with me and we booked an Airbnb. It was in a gated community. Okay. Um, very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, when we left there, we went to another Airbnb and that's when the other girl met us. Mm-hmm. And that started our whole trip. Um, typically what I do... When I went to Cuba, I stayed in Airbnbs. Same. Um, when I went to Costa Rica, I stayed on a resort. When I went to London, I stayed in an Airbnb. When I went to Brussels, Airbnb, Amsterdam, hotel. Um, so it's a mixture. Okay. It's a mixture of whatever... Um, is available and how whatever interact, I feel is... How do you interact with the people? Um, I ask most of my questions to whoever is my guide for the day. Okay. Um, so yeah. you're an excursion. Where do you book your uh, excursions? I want to see it, if it's the same Expedia. as mine. Expedia. Okay. Or I do, like for South Africa, I had to do extensive research. So mm. South Africa, I was intentional Mm-hmm. about seeking out black owned 
um, excursion places and booking them. I was very intentional with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because, like, if I'm going to go... You're going to do it the right way. I'm going to, yeah. Kenya, it was a travel group, so black-owned. And that was actually the first thing that I asked the girl when I started to book the trip Mm -hmm. because I couldn't tell by the page. Okay. Um, So I was like, is this black-owned? And she was like, yes. Oh, booking. Got it. Yeah, and so I booked. Um, And it's just, you know, about putting money back in your community. Absolutely. But, like, if you're going to Amsterdam, they ain't going to be black-owned. There actually is a link. I'll send it to you. Okay. I was what uh, Facebook. I want to say it's Travel Noir. Could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there... Or it could be Blavity. But um, I love Blavity. There are... Someone keeps posting how to travel black-owned blank. How to travel black-owned blank. Mm-hmm. And how to travel black-owned Amsterdam was one of the ones okay. I was most surprised to see. Yeah. So I definitely I- saved that because I'm like... Didn't even know we were there. I could foresee mm-hmm. it because where there's green, there will be black. Yeah. But it just didn't trigger as yeah where I would expect us to you know to be. But um, I'll send you that link. Yeah. But um, from your travels, what you've done, what you're currently working on, how can we get in contact with you? How can we learn more about your brand and? you know, dive into your future endeavors with travel and with, well, you said you don't do fashion anymore. I mean, I still write f- fashion and beauty because it mm-hmm. pays. Um, mm-hmm. It's my side hustle. Right. And so I do uh, still contribute. Right now, actually, this year I'm taking, I'm taking this year to not travel um, and just focus on like my personal life and Got you it. know developing that, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like grow up and do grown up stuff. Ooh, yeah, scary. I know. I don't like it. Yeah, put me but, on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, like I, I need to save money and I need to do, and I know that I can do both. But like yeah. when you have an end goal, gotcha. It's like all right, you want to speed it up. Yeah, got it. And so this year I'm not doing any traveling, but I vowed that next year I will be on somebody's plane. It has been difficult. Like I'm sure you can relate. Like when it's like three months and you haven't been on yes. a flight, you like, oh my god, I need a beach. I need a I, beach. Yeah, and th- and that's where I am right now. I'm like, oh, I'll go anywhere. Yeah, you know. Um, even go to Miami, you know, just to listen. I considered it. Yeah. I definitely considered it. And I saw um, my league had posted like an incredible, like I think she said she was there like 36 hours or something like mm-hmm. that. But she posted the resort she was at. Now, I don't have my league money, but that shit looked like, oh. But imagine yeah, now present. going to Miami is more expensive than like going to Cuba. Oh, right. You Which is like, so I might as well just go to Cuba. And then if you're going to go to Cuba, you're not going to stay for a weekend. So like, uh, I actually do have to do a weekend in yeah. Cuba only because I really, I literally just have to go to get this tattoo because I've already put the intention and I've already yeah. put the thought, the heart, everything is in it. I know where I was. I was already booked at the shop where I was supposed to get it done. And I showed up, we spoke and it just didn't follow through. Like it's so mm-hmm. connected now. Like I can't foresee so getting go, that someplace you let me else. Know if you go yeah. for a weekend, and if I'm it'll happy. be, I'll be your, your your scary tour guide buddy because I know you're yeah. gonna be scared. But sadly, I don't want to stay in Havana. Like I loved where I stayed in Havana, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like in the middle of the heart of the city of Havana. Yeah. 
I didn't that did nothing for me really yeah I liked where the block I stayed on I swore I was in Brooklyn really yes like it just really really just looked like a regular ass block like the little area that I stayed, and it's maybe a mile walk to um the essential center like yeah I was just like oh this is perfect like I could literally set up shop here and live here and be happy as fucking pig and shit it was incredible I I loved it but anyway I looped out of the uh, traffic circle (laughs) and back to where we can find you and keep up with what you're doing okay so my Instagram page is introvert introvert the letter N the city so that's my Insta Um, I haven't been too active on my blog because um, I'm still working on monetizing that and until I actually figure that out Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to continue to make money um, with your writing with my writing Um, so introvert in the city and that that page on Instagram in general is just a bomb ass page to follow so you should just follow it it's full of inspiration and love for all things black and female Mm -hmm. I love the men too but I'm a black female so that's who my audience is for but if you want to look at beautiful black woman then you can follow the page um and yeah that's about it for now um i think what i'm going to continue to work on is just raising money i haven't started a fundraiser yet Mm -hmm. but i hope to get that up and running soon because you know as i said i i got a message on whatsapp like this lady needs you to pay her her light bill and her rent. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, you know, right. it's sort of like a commitment that I made. Um, not necessarily to her, but I made I made that commitment, so I'm going mm-hmm. to help her. Okay, so we'll definitely have the contact, like you know, the links in yeah. the description, so that you can follow, so that when you do post and upload, listeners can definitely support your efforts in the future. So I would just want to close out with what is a travel, I don't want to say suggestion, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I really wish there was more of a visual aspect to this so that you guys can see that I'm actually talking when I'm not saying anything, (laughs) like I'm communicating here. Um, A mantra, if you will, or just a... I don't want to say a tip because tips are whack. I don't really yeah. do tips, but an energy on travel, a feeling, a uh, word, a message. The one thing, and this is something that I say to literally everyone when they ask me about why I travel so much is you haven't experienced the moon until you've seen it somewhere else. Mm. And th- that is just like, I connect to everything that God made the first six days. And so that's the earth, that's the animals, that's the green trees, that's the water, and that's the stars, the moon, the sun. And like, it was meant to be viewed everywhere, not just from where you are. And so like, wherever you go at night, make sure you look at the sunset, Make sure you look up at the moon. Make sure you get to look at the stars because you will never experience that again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always going to be different. And it's the same moon, it's the same stars, but it'll always be different. So that would be my one thing. 
My spirit knew to ask you that. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to follow on the Instagrams underscore dcarry, uh, travel and shit underscore, uh, blah, blah, blah. You can send me an email if you have any questions, et cetera, et cetera.